Uh, if you have your Bible, open up to Malachi chapter 3. And if you'd like to, I'm going to be reading several passages of Scripture today. But, uh, and those will be up on the screen. But if you'd also like to open up to Second Chronicles chapter 31, that way you can kind of be camped out at two different spots where I'll be looking. Uh, we will be going through the Bible. And so you'll have two places that you can go to. And I have a mark. So Second Chronicles chapter 31. And then Malachi chapter 3. Now, uh, just in starting, if you are, weren't here last week, uh, I started a series that we're going to be doing for four weeks called Live to Give. That there's, and I almost called it the happy life because there's nothing better than being a giver. We were born getters, but when God saved us, we were born again to be givers. That's what we talked about last week. Just the heart, the, the heart issue of being a giving person. And today, what I want to do is I want to talk about tithing. Now, in talking about this, I want this to be simple. I want this to be plain. How many of you guys uh, or gals ever grew up and your parents uh, were talking to you about something and it didn't matter how right they were, it didn't matter the truth that they were saying, just the kind of the pride in you, that you just didn't want to give them the luxury of knowing that you realize that they're right in what they're talking about. And so you, you just won't give them that satisfaction. So you fight them and just that pride you don't let. Is, is that, is that, anybody have that experience? I never did. I never had that experience. But uh, actually, I did a lot. I did a lot. And uh, so this morning, the, what I want to do is in speaking is I, I'm going to be talking about tithing. And I don't have an agenda. I don't have the, this uh, manipulation thing going on that I'm trying to manipulate. I'm not going to be, you know, getting all in your grill. What I want you to do is to be able to sit here and go, what does the Bible actually say about this? Because do we believe that everything in Scripture is there to set us free, to provide for us, and to bless us? Do we believe that? So then what does the Bible say about this? And so my prayer has been, that I will speak this so plainly, so simply, that you'll go, okay, I got it. And, and, that's, and, and so that's, why I, that's my heart. And, 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 and Dad prayed. You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4.20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Because I can get up here, and it doesn't matter what I say. Really, this is an area where the, the power of the Holy Spirit has to move into your life and to open your eyes to see this is where it's at. And, and so that's what my prayer is uh, during this time, is that this will be something that the Holy Spirit will grab, he will implant in your heart, and it will change your life. Because what I'm going to talk about, I believe in my life, is the, is the most life-changing thing that influences every other part of your life. And if you can grasp this, if you can get this and receive this joy, it will change every other area of your life. It really will. And so the, the title is called, What Test? And the reason why it's called wet test is because many times growing up, I had this experience. I would uh, go to class uh, happy, and I would walk into class, and I would see all my classmates frantically studying, and I'd be like, what, what are you guys doing? And they would look up at me and go, are you ready? And I'd be like, for what? And they'd be like, the test. And I would say, what test? And then, of course, everything would change from that point. And I, and I did. I, I struggled. 
I struggled in school a little bit uh, so that I could tell you guys all these analogies of my schooling experience. But a lot of us do not know that there is a test. There is a test that every single time I get an increase, every single time I'm paid, whether it's every single month, every single week, every two weeks, there is a test. And I'm going to show you. I told you I want to make this very plain in Scripture. If I pass this test, I will be blessed. If I fail this test, I will be cursed. And I'm going to show you those are not my words. That's the word of God. Passing the test, I'm blessed. Failing the test, I'm cursed. And there's a test every single one of us takes. And I'm going to show you that in Scripture. So take your Bible. We're in Malachi chapter 3. And we're going to start in verse 6. Malachi chapter 3. Start in verse 6. For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. That's the good news. God doesn't change. He's kind. From the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Now, if you have the New King James or maybe the King James, I believe the word it uses is not decrees, but ordinances. And an ordinance is a behavior of, it's of or, okay, let's say it's an event that is an ordinary behavior. Okay, that's why it's an ordinance. And he's saying here that you've turned aside from these ordinary behaviors. Return to me and I'll return to you. If you want to underline that, that's actually the whole thesis of the book of Malachi. Return to me and I'll return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, how shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and your contributions, you are cursed with a curse. For you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. See, if you fail the test, you're cursed with a curse. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby... Put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. See, there's the blessing. I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Now, the book of Malachi, like I said, is a, is a, a book about us returning to the Lord. Uh, when you study it, chapter 1 is all about our faith and our trusting him wholeheartedly. Uh, chapter 2 is in our family, that our families would return to the Lord. Chapter 3 is on our finances. Chapter 4 is on God actually returning to us. It's the last verse in the Old Testament is that the day of the Lord is coming he is coming back. He's promising. He's returning. And in that day, he will turn the, the hearts of the children back to their fathers and the fathers their hearts for their children. But in chapter 3, as he's talking, he's saying, you are robbing me with your tithes and your offerings. And so because of that, there is a curse. Now listen, if you would bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, there will not be enough room there will not be enough places to contain all the areas that I want to bless you. And I will even prevent the devourer 
from coming and eating your crops. I'll even make sure that your produce that is growing, nothing drops to the ground. Everything you do will be fruitful. His way of saying is, my desire is to bless you. Now listen, as I do this talk, you're going to hear blessing after blessing after blessing. And understand, last week when I said God did not save us to be a getter, the idea is not to, hey, gifts you can get. But when you're, when you're teaching the Bible, God is a giver. That's who he is. He wants to bless. And so this is going to come out. Our heart, it's a heart issue. Am I going to give and trust? But you're going to see God, that's just what he does. He blesses. His desire is to bless. So here's, I'm going to just give you three points this morning because I want it to be very simple. The first point is this. Tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. Write that down. In scripture, you'll see the word tithe means tenth. And uh, it also has this idea with ten as the word test. I'm going to what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a little Bible trivia here with you. And uh, you'll start to see a theme here, okay? So if you don't know the answer, just make the person beside you think you're really smart and go ahead and answer anyway because you'll know the answer, all right? And so here we go. Let me just give you a few questions to, to, to illustrate this to you. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten, okay? Let's, let's try that again a little louder. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten. And another way of looking at that is how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Ten times, okay? Here's another one. How many commandments are there? Ten. Good job. How many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? Ten. If you're feeling a little unconfident, just know the answer is? Okay. Uh, how many times were Jacob's wages changed? Good job. How many days was Daniel tested with food? Ten. So you guys should go on the show with Jeff Foxworthy. How many virgins were tested in Matthew chapter 25? Ten. How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelations? Ten. And how many disciples are there? Twelve. Okay. Most of you caught it, but some of you still said ten. No, there were twelve disciples. So God uses the word tithe with this idea of ten. There is a test. Who are you going to honor with your increase, with what you're given. Is it going to be Visa? Is it going to be the Lord? The Lord says, and, and here's the cool thing about this test. It is the only place where God says, test me. Test me and see. And, and God's like, it's like Scott said in the video, listen, just try it and see what I will do. I, I'm just waiting. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Try me, try me. That, that's what he's saying here. Test me in this. But tithing is a test. Now, whenever I talk about this with anybody, friends, or different people that I've heard talk about the, uh, the subject of tithing, there are two arguments that I usually hear in this area of tithing. And the first one is this whole area of if you don't tithe, uh, you're under a curse. And they're like, ah, that's, Phil, that's kind of a strong word to be telling a Christian that they're under a curse. Well, before I go into the argument, let me just use another word for the word curse. It's consequence. Consequence. You don't like the word curse? It's the word consequence. You know, we used to say this around here all the time. You can choose to do whatever you want, but you can't choose the consequences of what you do. There is a consequence for disobedience to the word of God, to trusting him. And, and people go, well, but you can't say that as a Christian, you're under the curse. Because remember, the Bible says that Jesus bore the curse on the cross. Okay, and so I've heard that said. So, uh, you know, the Bible also says in... First Peter 2, that Jesus bore our sin upon the cross. 
And how many of you guys still struggle with sin? I do. Okay? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 8 that he bore our sickness upon the cross. But guess what? We can still get sick. See, yes, Jesus bore the curse on the cross, but listen to me. We can still pay the consequences for our obedience or disobedience. Okay, actually, it's not a consequence when you obey. It's a, it's a blessing. There is a blessing to obedience. Uh, the second argument that I, that I hear a lot is, uh, or that I've heard before, is that, well, Philip, you understand that this is an area that uh, is a part of the law, because, by the way, so far, all you've done is read a passage from the Old Testament. This is the law. We are now under grace. All right. Now, let me ask you this. Is it okay for me to tell a lie? Well, wait a minute. That's the law. Thou shalt not lie. So it's okay for me. I can lie. Right? Is it okay for me to steal? Because the law says, thou shalt not steal, but I'm no longer under the law. I am now under grace. If something is wrong under the law, does that mean it's now right under grace? No. Okay, let me switch that. If something is right under the law, does that mean it's now wrong under grace? You following that? Because if tithing is right under the law, does that mean now because we're under grace, it is now wrong? No. In fact, there's a story in Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus is talking to the disciples, or to the Pharisees, I'm sorry, and this is what he says in verse 17. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth. Until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Anyone who breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, You fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. See, grace, actually, according to Jesus, goes further than the law. Look down in verse 27. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in her heart, but in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. So, scripturally with Jesus, Jesus says, listen, under grace... There's a higher expectation because all that Jesus has done for us. So listen to me. Point number one, tithing is a test. There isn't really an argument that goes against this as far as Scripture goes. Number two, tithing is biblical. Okay? Tithing is biblical. Genesis chapter 14, verse 18 says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. In fact, just kind of in your mind, take a picture of that up there on the screen. What did... King uh, Melchizedek bring out bread and wine. Bread and wine is what he brought out. Okay, and uh, when we celebrate the Lord's Supper, what do we partake of? The bread and the wine. So, what do you think when Melchizedek brings out bread and wine to him? What do you think this is representing? 
Jesus, okay? He was the priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now, the reason why I'm reading this passage to you is because this is 500 years before the law. And we're going to read the law here in a second in Leviticus chapter 27. But 500 years before the law, Abram, Abraham is giving Melchizedek, who I'm going to show you I believe represents Jesus, is giving him a tithe, a tenth. All right? And next week we're going to be looking at Cain and Abel when I talk about the principle of first fruits. And that, by the way, was 2,500 years before the law. Okay? Here, look at this. Genesis chapter 28, verse 22. I'm going to read it for you, verses 20 through 22, actually. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey, I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord God will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. This is 400 years before the law. Okay? So this is going on before the law came about. Now Leviticus chapter 27 verse 30 is where the law came about. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Now remember in Malachi 3, it said that you are robbing God if you don't bring it. And why is that? Because here, according to the law, what is the tithe? It is, it's holy. It's sacred. It's set apart. It is, it, it, God has a special place for it. And so that's where he's saying, listen, you're robbing me. You are stealing from me when you think. And, and I always think it's interesting because a lot of people think that they are uh, givers when they, when they bring their tithe. Literally, uh, memorize an English major, grammatically, what does Malachi 3 say? Give the whole tithe into the storehouse? What does it say? Bring. See, if I borrow your shovel, I don't give it back to you. What do I do? I bring back to your, you your shovel because like we said last week, a lot of the struggle for us that we grieve when we give is because we think it belongs to us. And God's saying, no, you're robbing me because it doesn't belong to you. It's all mine. I'm giving it to you, but this part, it's holy. It's set apart. It's the tithe. Okay, look at this verse in Deuteronomy chapter 6. When you come into the land that the Lord your God has given you for an inheritance, remember, and who is it that's giving it? God. And you have taken possession of it and you live in it. You shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God has given you. He re is redundant there. He's the one that gives it. And you shall put it in a basket, and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. Okay, and, and I didn't say this earlier, but Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. That represents the church. Here he's saying, you bring it to where my name will dwell, which was what? It was the temple, which represented the church. Okay, then you shall say for the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion out of my house. The sacred, it's, it's holy, it's the tithe. Your translation might even say tithe. Out of my house. And moreover, I have given it to the Levites, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, according to all your commandment that you have commanded me. I have not transgressed any of your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten of the tithe while I was mourning, like I didn't use it in a bad, in bad time, 
or removed any of it while I was unclean. I didn't use it for unclean purposes or offered it, any of it, to the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God. I have done according to all that you've commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people Israel and the ground that you've given to us as you swore to our fathers a land flowing with milk and honey. See, he's saying, listen, I'm giving the tithe. And he even prays here in Luke, in Luke, in Deuteronomy chapter 15, so look down from your holy habitation and bless your people. Why is Moses saying that? It's because he knows that's God's desire. That's God's command. He's even said, test me in this, test me, and you'll see, will I not throw up the floodgates of heaven and bless you? And so Moses is even praying it. Man, look down from your holy habitation and bless your people because this is what your people are doing. They're walking in obedience. They're walking in obedience, okay? Now, I've read you some verses, and again, I've read you all Old Testament passages so far, okay? So what would you say if Jesus himself actually said that you're to tithe? Jesus said you're to tithe. Okay? I, I hope most of us in here would say, well, you know what? If Jesus would specifically say tithe, I would do it. Because, see, you know, there's been many times where I've thought, Lord, could you not just take Malachi 3 and just, couldn't you have just moved it like a couple pages over to the right and just put it in the New Testament? That way we would not have any of this argument. But he put it exactly where he wanted it to be. But I want you to see this. Matthew chapter 23, verse 23. Jesus is talking, and he says, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin. But you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Now, what is Jesus saying here? Now, he doesn't come around and say, you should tithe. But he is saying it. Jesus is saying, listen. You and your self-righteousness, because he's speaking to the Pharisees, you're even tithing off your spices. I mean, they were taking it so to the extent that they were, it says that they're tithing off their spices. You know, you need to be tithing off your salt and pepper. All right? That's what they were doing. And he's saying, listen, listen. You're neglecting justice and mercy and faithfulness. But you know what he says after that? He says, you need to be doing what you're doing. But you need to include faithfulness, mercy, and justice. That's Jesus talking. Now I want to show you one more passage in, in, in Hebrews. And this is my favorite part about tithing. Okay? It's in Hebrews chapter 7. And uh, it's, it's, it's who I believe I give my tithe to. Okay? Hebrews chapter 7. Look in verse 1. It says, Then this Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God Most High. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings, and he blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. First, his name means king of righteousness. Then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. Now, many people, and I believe that Melchizedek actually was Jesus. Um, others don't. But at least you have to go, he represents Jesus. One, he's called the king of righteousness. Who's the king of righteousness? Jesus. Who's, who's the king of peace? Jesus. All right, now, check this out. Verse 3. Without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of, like, uh, end of life, 
like the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Now, who is it that remains a priest forever? Jesus, who has no beginning and no end, no mother, no father. Jesus. There's no one outside the Trinity that gets that description, that's eternal, that has always been. And that's what it's saying about this Melchizedek. Now listen, watch what happens. Verse 4, just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. Now the law requires, and this is, by the way, the New Testament. Now the law requires the descendants of Levi who become priests to collect a tenth from the people, that is, their brothers, even though their brothers are descended from Abraham. This man, however, did not trace his descent from Levi. Uh, Did Jesus trace his descent from Levi? No, he traced it back to Judah. Okay? Verse, uh, oh, keep going in verse 6. Yet he collected a tenth from Abraham, and he blessed him who had the promises. Now, here's what I think is really cool, verse 7. And without doubt, the lesser person is blessed by the greater. Okay, I'm the lesser person. Jesus is the greater. In the one case, the tenth is collected by men who die. But in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. Okay, now... When I give my tithe into the box back there, because the Bible says to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, mortal men collect my tithe. But here it says, yeah, mortal men collect it, but in the other case, the greater, the one that is living, collects it. See, when I bring my tithe, when I'm trusting the Lord, I am bringing my tithe to Jesus. Jesus is the one that collects my tithe. And also, notice this, it says, but in the other case, by him who is declared to be living. See, I don't live off 100%. I live off 90%. In fact, my whole life, I was thinking about this, my whole life, even though I wasn't in charge of it, my whole life, I have had the blessing and the privilege of living under a household that lived off of 90%. And what is going on, what was going on with my parents is what they were declaring to everybody is that there is a living God. Because you know how hard it is to live off 100%. How in the world can you live off What I am doing is I'm testifying, I'm giving my tithe to Jesus, that I don't live under this economy. I live under God's economy. He's my provider. He is my source. He's the one in charge, and so it doesn't matter what else is going on when I'm being a faithful steward and a hard worker, and I'm doing everything under him, but I'm saying, I trust you. You're my provider. I am declaring to everybody, he's my living hope, because if he's dead, this isn't going to work. You see, see what I'm saying here? So when I give my tithe, this is a very biblical thing. I am giving it to Jesus, and I'm declaring to a world, I'm not under this economy. I'm under God's economy. You know, and I, I tell us all the time, you know, I was telling this to my, my small group last week because we were talking about this area of tithing. It is a very wonderful place to be in that I know that I'm not the provider. See, when God says, test me in this, let me give this a little different way. And it almost kind of sounds like a little slap in the face, but it's not all I'm saying. What it's saying is, is that if I am faithful unto the Lord, 
if I am being a hard worker and being a faithful steward of everything he's given me, then if something happens, it's his fault. You see, that's what he's saying. Test me. If I'm doing these things and I'm giving to him, I can't be sunk because it's his fault. That's what he's saying. Test me. Because if he's saying, test me, and if it doesn't come through, like I say, and he, by the way, he said in Malachi 3, I do not change. Whose fault is it? So I go to sleep, totally at peace, because the Lord, it's, it's, it's on him. That's what he's saying, test me. But what I'm doing is I'm declaring that he's the living one, and I'm under his economy, not under some stimulus package. Okay? Number three, tithing is a blessing. Number three, tithing is a blessing. Okay? We're almost done. And this is where if you have uh, Second Chronicles, uh, you can turn there. And I, and I want to give you just an example of what I'm just talking about in Scripture. Um, Israel, and this goes right along with what uh, we were talking about before the sermon started, that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproof. And in the land of Israel, the kings that they had had been living an unrighteous lifestyle. And so the people were in a horrible economy. Things were bad. There was a curse upon the land because they were not following. And over and over, if you read the First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, the kings were leading the people away from the Lord. Then in Second Chronicles chapter 29, a king comes uh, into the throne, and his name is Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a man who loved the Lord. And immediately, he begins to call the people back to God. In 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 29, uh, he tells them, he, he, he reestablishes temple worship because they weren't even worshiping in the temple. They actually go in and they clean out the temple. They clean out all the unclean things, all the impure things, and they get it back in the way it should be. Uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 30, they reinstitute the Passover. They've gotten to a point where they're no longer even celebrating Passover, and they begin to do that. And then in 2 Chronicles chapter 31, he begins to say, okay, it is now time to bring the tithe back to the Lord. It's time to start giving to the Lord. And so that's where we are in Second Chronicles 31. They're in a bad economy. They're living under a curse because they have not been following the ways of the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter 31, starting in verse 4. He ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due the priests and Levites so they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. As soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, oil, and honey, and all that the fields produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. The men of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds and flocks and a tithe of the holy things that dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them up in heaps. They began doing this in the third month and finished in the seventh month. When Hezekiah and his officials came and saw the heaps, they praised the Lord and blessed his people, Israel. Now, I want you to look back up there in verse 4. And notice that it says, He ordered the people living in Jerusalem to give the portion due the priests and the Levites, so that what? So that they could devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Okay? I remember Malachi 3 said, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be what? food in my storehouse, okay? This is kind of awkward for me to talk about, but when you teach on tithing, this is what the Bible says. 
I've heard many times people, they'll complain about their church, whether it's wherever they're at, you know, because I have friends, you know, all, all over the country, but I'll be talking to someone, and, and maybe it's a church even in our, in our, in our city or, or somewhere else, and, and someone will complain about what's going on at the church. And the first thing I always think of is this, is God saying, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there might be food. See, my desire, because my family, my desire is that at this place, there would be great food for my family. I mean, how many of us, that's what you desire here. You desire here at this place, West County Community Church, that there would be good food. All right? Do you know that, and and this is my own little soapbox, do you know that that most churches in, in the country, they say, and I don't know what ours is at all, um, but the, the, the average church, only 4 to 6% of the church understands this whole area of tithing, which, by the way, means that about 90% of the church in America is under this curse. And the complaint is, why isn't there good food? Why can't we do all the things that the Lord wants us to be able to do? And the Bible says, listen, if they would just bring the tithe into the storehouse— there will be plenty of food. Now, I say that, and how many of us in here appreciate the food that we get here at West County Community Church? I do. But guess what? A lot of us are going to go out to lunch after this and eat, and we wouldn't think twice. We wouldn't think twice about skipping out on the check. But that's what God's saying is going on here. It's like Scott was saying, if the, if the preacher does good, I'll throw a a 20 in there. If not, I'll show him and throw a five. It has nothing to do with the pastor, the preaching. It has nothing to do with, with West County. It has everything to do with this is God's design. He has a thousand cattle on a thousand hills, right? But this is the way that he has chosen to say, man, this is going to be a blessing to my people. Tithing is to be a blessing. Now, in this passage, what's really interesting because Hezekiah was a good king, here are all these people, they're bringing all kinds. In fact, there's like heaps. They're all tithing. And so Hezekiah comes in and and Azariah says, look at this. Look at all this. Look at this. Would you look at it? And and he's looking at it. And Hezekiah begins to get concerned for the people because there's so much. And he goes, well, what about the people? And he goes, well, come here and look at this. Look at verse 9. It says, Hezekiah asked the priests and the Levites about the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest, the chief priest from the family of Zedek answered, Since the people began to bring their con- contributions to the temple of the Lord, we have had enough to eat and plenty to spare because the Lord has blessed his people and this great amount is left over. See, actually, if you keep reading, they had to start building more silos because the people were given and they, they didn't have anywhere to put the heaps. Because as they were doing it, remember, they were in an economic crisis. They were under a curse because the way they were living they return to the Lord in these areas, in temple worship and in the Passover, and they start giving their tithes, and all of a sudden, what happens? God does what he promises he does throughout Scripture over and over again. He brings the blessing, and then Hezekiah's like, what about the people? And he's like, listen, there's so much. They're doing great because God is so richly blessed. Look, I want you, we're going to read this passage one more time, and then we're going to close. Malachi 3, 10. 
through 12. And, and if you're part of the, the, the band, if you could come on up here. Malachi 3, verse 10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Listen, this right here is not meant to be scary. This is not meant to kind of grab you around the throat. This, everything in Scripture is for life. And this right here, it is one of my favorite things to talk about because of what this has done in my life. You like to talk about the things that have radically changed you. And I talk about this, and even when Dad says, hey, what would you like to talk about? First thing I can think of is being a giver because the way it's so blessed me. And because the way I've seen it bless my family. And I don't live under, I mean, he, he didn't even know what, he, Dad hasn't even heard this talk, and he said, how many of us want to live under a curse and how many of us want to live under a blessing? He said that before we talked. And here it is. Here's the test. If you tithe, you're blessed. If you don't, you're cursed. It's that simple. It's, it's the word of God. In my life, these are the two testimonies I've heard over and over and over again from two different types of people. The testimony of a non-tither is this. I would love to do it, but I can't afford it. That's, that's the testimony I've heard over and over and over again. The testimony I've heard from tithers is this. I'm so blessed. Those are the two testimonies. A tither, I am so blessed. We have so much peace. We have so much joy. Things, couldn't, and things might not be awesome, but we're in the Lord's hands. Non-tither, I would love to do that, but I can't afford it. And here's why. You can't afford it until you start doing it, because until you start doing it, you're still under a curse. God can do more with 90% than you can do with 100%. And um, it's really just a matter of trusting the Lord's provision in your life. And the way that I would like to to close today is uh, not by bowing in prayer, but by standing in worship. Because see, worship, what it does is it gives me an idea that God is bigger He's the one that reigns. He's the one that's in control. And so I can trust everything to him. And so I've asked Travis and, and Mary Kate to sing this song to you. you. You haven't heard it probably before. It's one of my favorite songs. And really it's a prayer of saying, God, I look to you. And my help comes from you. And I need you to give me vision to see how you how you see things. And see, this is an area where we all need vision, right? You, you've got to have the vision for this. But listen, God's our help. So would you stand? And uh, you can listen and you can pray. And uh, as Mary Kate sings, uh, you can join in her as she sings this song. And then, and then I'm going to come up and we'll close in prayer, okay?
and all my strength is all of me and all my resources. Because I was born a getter, but I've been saved to be a giver. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for wisdom. I pray for vision for each one of us. Lord, I know in this area there's always a spirit of fear, but we know that that is not you. That is the enemy. The enemy always deals with fear, and he works with fear. And he doesn't want us to experience the blessings and all that you have for us. Lord, I pray this would be an area where we'd be set free to live in your victory and your blessing. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed. Thank you so much. And be a giver.